1: living in sync with god his word love power and his vision for your life welcome to spiritual training hi this is elder michael dunn and welcome to spiritual training today's session is called an open invitation and in this session we are giving the holy spirit an open invitation into every aspect of our lives now this is going to be a courageous journey, but it's also going to be an exciting journey. It's going to be a great journey and it's going to be a blessed time in the Holy Spirit. So when I mean by every aspect, we don't want to shut the Holy Spirit out of any part of our lives and that's the that's the whole point of it. Uh when we are talking every aspect, what I mean is if you're married, then every aspect of your marriage if you have children, a family, every aspect of your family relationships, every aspect of your life, your personal life, everything that has to do with you. We want to invite the Holy Spirit in. Why? Because He knows what to do in our life to make our lives exactly how God want it to be. That will be a blessing to us, our families and to all that we come in contact with. So if you're ready to take this courageous journey with me, why don't you just go ahead and buckle up and let's take this journey together because the Christian life, my friends, is a courageous spiritual journey and it is foundational to everything else we're going to do in this study. So this is very, very vital That we get this part right. So, when I say open invitation, I want the Holy Spirit to know that He has my permission and He has my cooperation, meaning that I'm going to be committed to following His lead. So, we're going to look at this in light of Psalms chapter 139. And in this Psalms, I'm only going to read a couple of verses. But I would like to tell you about Psalms 139. And in this Psalm, David is just pouring out his heart. It's a beautiful song. So I want you to read it uh, when you get a chance. Just read through the whole thing. We're going to focus on verse 23 and 24. But before we get there, David is just pouring himself out to God. He's praying. He is telling God all these wonderful things. He's saying, God, I thank you because I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. He acknowledges that it's God who had created him. He was made by the hands of God. He's special in God's sight. He's a special creation. He told God, even before I was in my mother's womb, you knew me. You know my innermost thoughts. You know everything about me. There's nothing hidden that you don't know. There's nothing that can be hidden because the darkness and the light are the same to you. And everything about his life was just right before God's face. And that's how he saw his life, right before the face of God. Remember the word I gave you, Corum Dale. what takes place in the face of God? Everything about your life takes place before the face of God. And you see, David understood that relationship with God is a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. You know how he danced out of his clothes. So we know that David loved God. He loved that God was walking with him. He loved to be in God's presence. He loved the spirit of God. And he understood that the victory that he was experiencing in his life came about because God is with him, not in his own strength, but it was because God preordained his entire life. And so I want you to see how the dynamics of of his relationship with God and how he looked at things. So we get to this part here in verse 23 and 24. And at this point, David is getting pretty intense in this conversation with God. And he just cries out for God to test him, to test him. In other words, test me and see if I'm genuine because I know that I'm genuine. And this is what we're going to look at in verse 23 and 24. It says, search me, O God. And you see, it has an explanation point. He's like, search me, oh God. Know my heart. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous or wicked way in me. And if by chance there is, in other words, lead me into the path everlasting. You see, I don't want to be in no temporary paths. I don't want to go and do my own thing. I don't want to try to work things out on my own. I don't want to do any of that stuff. This is what he's telling God. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go through the trial and the error phase of life. I don't want to do it my way because I don't know what I'm doing. You are the one who made me. You're the one that preordained my life. My life is here because of you. No one knows me like you. And you see, so in this mindset, in this frame of mind, David is pouring his heart out and he's saying, God, here I am. Here I am. I want to please you. And I'm sure you can just feel that energy of David as he poured himself out to God because his number one priority is pleasing God. He knows if he pleases God, it is the path of fulfillment. So he wanted his life poised for victory. Just like us today, we want our life poised for victory. We do not want to go on our own, stumble through life, and get battered and beaten around through life to the point where we have no strength at all. But we are the people of God who have called by his name. We are these particular people. Just like David saw himself, we also see ourselves. So unique before God. So in light of this, we poise ourselves to be victorious because victory belongs to God and victory is given to God's people. So we as his people, we endeavor to live in sync with God, his word, his power, his love and his vision for our lives. So in this psalm, David, he gave God an open invitation, didn't he? He poured himself out. In other words, his innermost being, he he poured out to God. He wanted God to know him, that part of him, the innermost part of who he really is. And you see, this is what we want. Not the person that we show people, not the person that, that, that we see walking around, but we're talking about that person that you are in private, the real you, the person that you are. That's the person that we opening up an open invitation for the Holy Spirit to come in and do his work. And this is what he does. He does beautiful work. He takes broken things and he fixes it. He takes things that seems to be trash and turns them into treasure. He takes things that looks bad and he turns them around for good. This is who he is. So we invite him into that part of our lives because he reconstructs that into something very valuable. Only God can do that. Only the power of God can enter a person's life. And make something out of nothing. have nothing to offer him. Nothing at all other than our brokenness, our sin nature, our natural man. Everything that we have, he gave it to us. He gave us the new man. He gave us his Holy Spirit. He gave us his strength. He gave us his anointing. He gave us everything that we have that has any value at all so here we are like david we're asking him look at me this is my innermost being his thoughts his feelings all these things he he expressed to god his emotions and his motives and his intentions and these my friend I call relational building blocks. So when we invite him into our innermost being, we invite him into our thoughts, we invite him into our feelings, we invite him into our emotions, our motives, and our intentions. And we do this because we want him to be involved in every aspect of our being because this is who we are before him. And we... As God's people are committed to what he is doing in our lives. So he committed himself to God's correction and David committed himself to God's direction. So you see, he was a man who could take some correction and he was a man who understood he had to follow God's direction. Correction is a necessary part of the Christian life. There's no, he said, every son that comes to me, he said, he chastised that son. He scourged that son. In other words, that God knows how to chasten us for the good and for his glory because we require chastising because of who we are by nature, because we are people. And we're still people that have the spirit at the same time. But you see, it's a progressive walk with God. So sometimes we don't always do things in the right way, do we? We don't always say the right thing, do we? But that's okay because, you know what, we always could say we're sorry, can't we? We could always say, God, forgive me. We could always uh, go to God with any type of issues that we have. And accept the correction because when we accept the correction, we also get the healing. We also get the deliverance. We also get the victory. So correction is a good thing. Direction is a good thing. And so this is what David had to learn through his life, just like we have to learn in our lives, is that God's correction is not for our destruction. It is for new direction. It is to help us. It is to deliver us. It is to set our, take our feet, as the, as, the, as the old songs say, out the miry clay and set us on a rock to stay. And this, my friends, is the kind of God that we serve. This is the excitement of being in a relationship with a God that loves you, with a God that cares, that a God is not trying to destroy you, a God that's not counting how many sins you did or what you did wrong and when you did it. But he's looking for a man after his own heart. And that's what he told David. David, you're a man after my own heart. And this is the testimony that we all should endeavor to want before God. So we have a, a little problem with that because we have a natural man, don't we? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, The natural man does not receive the things of the spirit because they're foolishness to him and because they are also spiritually discerned. So this natural man that we are, we are becoming the spiritual man, but you see there's a process that we are working ourselves through and that is when we need correction. That is when sometimes a rebuke may be in order. Those are the times that are. Uh, that our lives get out of out of sync with God, that we shouldn't get discouraged, but understand it as a natural process from going from a natural man to a spiritual man. It's almost like saying I'm a professional basketball player, but I never miss a basket. Okay, come on, you're a professional uh, uh, quarterback, but you never threw an interception. That's not true, is it? It doesn't make you a a, a failure, does it? It's part of the, it's part of the process we learn, we progress, and we move on. And this is in the life of a believer. We miss the mark and we repent and we make sure that there's nothing between us and God and we move forward in Him because God is with us and He knows how to restore us in every aspect and in every part of our relational journey with Him. So, God is not here to discourage us. He's here to help us. He doesn't bring condemnation into our lives. What he does is he brings restoration into our lives. So when we look at God and understand all of the things that the Holy Spirit will do in our lives, we will begin to embrace it with joy. We'll embrace it with enthusiasm. We'll know that. God wills good for us, and we'll know that he'll cause all things to work together somehow for our good, no matter how bad it seems. But God knows how to turn things around, and he knows just what to do in our individual lives. And we, my friends, can trust God with our lives. So when, it, when we are going through the process from being the natural man into the spiritual man it's impossible to do it without the help of the holy spirit isn't it totally impossible we can't do nothing without him he said we can't do nothing and how can we relate because in Isaiah chapter 58 verse 8 and 9 it tells us that our ways are not God's ways neither of our thoughts his thoughts as far as the heaven is from the earth and who knows how far that is so only the holy spirit can bridge this distance in the relationship and bring it to where we are in sync with one another only the holy spirit can do that and he does it relationally relationally is how he does it so like david we have been called out we've been chosen to win against all odds because we have God on our side. Didn't David win against all odds? Oh, you know his story. Against all odds, when things looked their worst, it was God who showed up and did what only God can do in a situation. And this is our life. This is how we uh this is why we want the Holy Spirit so intricately involved in every aspect of our life. Because we want him to get into that situation and bring the victory out of it for us. And that's what we do. This is why we're so excited. This is why we're so joyful. This is why David could dance. This is why he was so confident. He was so confident in God because of who God is, not because of who he was. And you see, this is a powerful way of looking at your relationship with God. In first John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, we see where the battle is coming from. Let's look at verse 15. It says, love not the world or the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So you see immediately this spirit of the world, it does not want us to love God. You see how that Comes in direct opposition to the first commandment where we are to love the Lord our God, where the love of God constrains us, where the love of God is in us that works through us in this present world. So you see, right from the beginning, we see that this is a system of rebellion and pride that seeks to displace God and his rule. So that's what the world is, and the world is marked for judgment. So what about the things part? He says, don't love the world or the things in the world, because things were given to us for our enjoyment, isn't it? We have uh, the things that we enjoy, we work, we save our money, we buy homes, we buy cars, we buy all the things that we enjoy in this life. So the things that we have are to be used in a right relationship with God. You see, because things could be taken out of its context where instead of us having things, in other words, things have us. Instead of us trusting in God, we begin to trust in our money, in our investments, in our ingenuity, and in our, all of the things that we can do for ourselves. When in fact, our hope and our trust must be rooted and grounded in God and everything we do, we give to him. So it is the right relationship of having things that's in view in this verse. So let's look at verse 16. It says, for all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. This We see in our society in everything that we do, in any types of um, social medias that you see. It's just driven in our society and all types of movies, all types of shows, reality shows, all sorts of lifestyles that is before us feature these as being some type of success. The lust of the eye the lust of the flesh, and the pride in possessions. What did he say? That's not of the father, is it? That, my friends, is of the world. So let's look at verse 17. It says, it's not of the father (laughs) because it didn't come from him, but it is from the world. And what's happening is the world is passing away. You see the futility that the enemy does, he wastes people's time, knowing that everything that they're doing it's just going to pass away. So it's like a, a, a fleeting thing so that you chase all these desires, you chase money, you chase wealth, you chase all of these things when in fact, when you're a child of God, all these things chase after you. Remember what he said? He said, when riches increase, don't set your heart upon it. Don't be like the world. So when we, as a people of God, we can expect riches to increase. We can expect to have nice things, but we don't want is to get that confused with things having us or being defined by those things or allowing pride to come into your possessions. In other words, you have this nice item that you love and desire, but now you've allowed a spirit of pride to come in. So now you have lifted yourself above your fellows. Now, that's where the relationship is broken. So what we do as the people of God, we maintain this wonderful balance between living in this world and being uh, worldly as the scripture says. So, it goes on to say, the world is passing away with all of its desires. And now let's look at this. But whosoever does the will of God abides forever. So my friends, the word of God abides forever. And this is where the people of God places all of their hope because our hope is in him and until the next time god richly bless you is my prayer if you find these sessions to be beneficial share them with your family and friends and join us again for another session of spiritual training